Welcome to One Dive at a Time, the official podcast of Neptune Warrior. Healing heroes, one dive at a time. Hey, welcome to episode number 25. One of the things I've been doing in a lot of the episodes, either in the beginning or the end, I've been saying, hey, go out, like us, subscribe, share us. I'm going to stop asking you to do that because you're either going to share us or you're not. You're going to like us or you're not. You're going to subscribe or you're not. And it's really kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I I really don't know if I want to just keep saying, if I want to keep bugging you and saying, hey, do that. So just like we made the decision or I made the decision to not have advertising or sponsors on here, I'm going to do the same thing with asking you to like and subscribe and request and just all that nonsense. Now, what I may do is about every quarter, maybe every six months, every year, I'm just going to say, hey, answer a real quick survey. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up, that's not my own idea. I also listen to a podcast called The Minimalist, and I've been kind of following. I, I really like a lot of the things that the guys say. Obviously, minimalism is something that I'm in pursuit of as much as and then I and then I look at my garage and I look at my storage room and decide that it is kind of uh, is probably more of a wish than a dream. But I am really, truly, honestly pursuing it in so many different ways. I've been doing even even with dive gear. I've been cutting down. You know what is it that I really need, and I'm either selling it or I'm more than likely I'm giving it away to other divers that I dive with. But one of the things that they do on their podcast is, you know, they don't ask for subscribers. And so I'm, I'm, again, I'm stealing the idea or I'm borrowing the idea, leveraging their, their ideas. And it just makes, it makes so much more sense. I have got, um, in this podcast, I'm talking with one of our divers, Riley, who works in the field of prosthetics. So Riley started coming out to our dive site last year and started hanging out with us. And we had just built up really this great series of conversations, not only around her diving, but then what she does and really what her passion is. And when you think about somebody who's in prosthetics, first of all, they have a huge heart. And that's one of the things I can say about Riley is she really, really cares about the people that she's helping. She brings a very strong resume of diving experience. She... (laughs) She really grew up or, you know, got her first dives in places very much like what we dive here in Idaho as far as being cold water and and not always great, you know, great conditions. She has the military family background and she just she's a remarkable young lady that I love seeing out on the dive sites. And so I when I when I launched the podcast immediately like i was already in you know to episode two three or four and i was and i reminded myself that i had always said that if i had a chance to interview her in any type of a format whether it was on the blog or you know knowing that one day i'd do a podcast again that i wanted her as a guest and you know being in the field that she's in being young adventurous lots of stuff to do i was really afraid i wouldn't be able to pin her down and get her on here. And I was very fortunate to do it. But the conversation I wanted to have with her 
was really more about how prosthetics are helping our veterans who were not combat wounded. You see, there's there's a there's a lot of focus, and rightly so, but there's a there's a lot of focus. Or what happens is when somebody immediately sees a veteran who is an amputee, the first thing they think of is, oh my gosh, they must have lost that in battle. They must have lost it in combat. They must have lost it in supporting military operations. And there is actually a fairly good-sized population of military veterans who have lost a limb that was not combat-related. Now, it may or may not be service-related, but not always combat-related. And it begs the question, you know, are we really providing care like we should just because they weren't, you know, just because it wasn't a, a combat wound? And, you know, we, we've had an opportunity to have amputee divers in our organization. Uh, several years ago, Ride for 22 gave us a $10,000 grant to go out and really help, you know, and, and this was, it wasn't just with amputees, it was, it was you know, anyone with, with disabilities to go out and find ways to get some training, uh, to, you know, to, to make, make opportunities available and really make, make diving accessible. And, you know, while that was happening, we were able to meet people like Riley, who is actively working in how do we make diving accessible. And one of the things we don't think about is, you know, is, is that veteran who has lost that ability but it wasn't directly combat related. So it was just a it was just a great pleasure to to get her on the podcast and get a chance to to talk with her. I don't want to blow the interview, so I'm going to go ahead and start the interview right now and let Riley tell her story. Hey, I'd like to welcome Riley to this podcast. Riley's been diving with us for I guess about a year or so and we had some really cool conversations. Because not only is she a diver, not only is she, uh, you know, a kiddo, you know, we're not a kiddo anymore, a young young lady or was a military, uh, you know, she was a military kid growing up in a military family, but she also works in the area of prosthetics. And so I thought I would bring her on and I want to talk about, you know, just what are some of the things that we need to think about with our veterans who are using prosthetics and and what that does to better their life, how it impacts diving. But before we get started, Riley, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, let's start with how, how you got involved in diving. Yeah, so I grew up the uh, oldest of three. I In the military, my dad was active duty Air Force, and he got into diving, and I was always a swimmer, always in the water, and so about the time I turned 13, my dad asked if I wanted to uh, learn how to scuba dive, and I was so excited, you know, getting to breathe underwater, see all the fish, and just do something I could potentially absolutely love. And in the first time I got underwater and, you know, took the first couple of breaths, i pretty sure I popped up super fast from the shallow end of the pool and looked at my dad and said, dad, I'm a mermaid. I can actually breathe underwater (laughs) and have just loved everything about it since then. 
That is yeah, awesome. It was a permanent dive buddy for my dad. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it doesn't sound like that was so much of an ask, but it's more of a, hey, you're going to be my dive buddy, so you need to go learn how to dive. <laughs> yes, pretty, mu- pretty much. And I mean, like I said, I grew up in and around the water, in the ocean, loved everything about the water, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, didn't take too much convincing for him to get me into scuba diving. <laughs> now, now, you weren't one of those Air Force kids that grew up in Florida and learned how to dive. You kind of cut your teeth in some pretty harsh water, didn't you? Uh, not actually in Florida. I learned to dive in the North Sea off the coast of Belgium and Holland. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's some cold water up there. It is, yes. Learned to dive in a 9-millimeter wetsuit with a hood and gloves. <laughs> well, so you everything be, out here is much less than that. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to be right at home. You're probably diving like in a 3 mil shorty in some of our lakes that are 55 and 65 degrees at that rate. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, off the coast of Florida, I just wetsuit and rash, or not wetsuit, uh, swimsuit and rash card, and I'm good to go most of the time. Now, you've had a chance to dive some other areas that are a lot a lot warmer and a lot more beautiful. Yes. And, and where are some of those areas? Yeah, so one of the first trips I got to do and where I got my advance was um, out in the Red Sea. That was a really unique experience, and oh my gosh, it's like diving in a fish tank out there. There's so much color, Um, and then I've gotten to dive all around the Caribbean. One of my favorite spots is, as always, Bonaire, Diver's Paradise, right? (laughs) It was just gorgeous getting to walk straight off the beach and into the water, and just how much you see and how clear and blue the water is in the Caribbean is gorgeous. That is that is awesome. Now, one of the reasons I brought you on here is because of, you know, you're, you're following the path of learning about uh, prosthetics. Can you can you tell me a little more about before we really get into talk about prosthetics? What was it that inspired you to get, uh, you know, to, to follow that path? Sure. So again, growing up in the military, I knew I always wanted to give back to the military. I loved my childhood getting to move all over and experience different cultures, but I didn't necessarily want to be in the military. Um, knew I really liked the healthcare field and working with patients, so traveled and, you know, got a shadow at a couple different places, one of the places being um, here locally in Boise, Idaho, and got to come in and see a fitting of a prosthetic device. It was a 60-year-old lady. She was getting one of the new computerized ankles, so it learned as you walk. So you could go up hills, up and down stairs, through uneven terrain, and it kind of learned and would pick up her feet so she couldn't drag it. And as she was trying it, her smile just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and she was so excited to be able to hike with her grandkids again. And that being able to help her got me into just loving the field and, you know, giving her life, her independence back. I absolutely loved that. And then... With being around the military, you know, seeing amputees and veterans with disabilities and things like that, it was a way to give back to that population without actually going in to help them get back to whatever life they want to be without actually being in the military. That is awesome. That is how I got into the field. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the things that you've seen with veterans? Uh, You know, because I I know that you and I talk and, and you've had... You know, you've had some interactions with veterans and, and veterans getting uh, prosthetics. What are what are some of the things that are inspiring you there, or what are some of the feel-good stories? 
I mean, I just, I love hearing all of their stories, you know, what they've overcome from the uh, older Vietnam era guys that have overcome so much adversity to now finally getting recognized for their service and what they're doing in life and us giving, even if it's a little thing back, them being able to walk easier by giving them a nice foot orthotic, by, you know, keeping them from tripping over their feet and just getting back to what they think they should be able to do to, you know, um, ex-paragliders and storm, uh, not stormtroopers, paratroopers that just, you know, beat up their body and giving them a orthotic to protect their knees so that they have stability and can still go do backwoods hiking and hunting and things like that. And then on the prosthetic side, just, um, not necessarily trauma. We don't see a lot of the trauma vets, but vets later in life who after have overgone some bad comorbidities, be it diabetes or vascular disease that caused them to lose a limb. Well, giving them back and, you know, sometimes they can't do anything while they have their limb, but when it gets amputated, you get your independence back. You're not having the same pain. You can feel your leg again. Um, you're not having to step on it in weird ways in order to get from point A to point B. You can kind of get back to a normal gait pattern. Uh, those guys always make my my day better when you can see somebody walk, come in in a wheelchair, no pain, and then walk out of our office on their own two feet. I love that. And that's one of the things I was going to ask you about because I know there's so much focus that's put on, and and, and maybe rightfully so. But there's a lot of focus, or maybe sometimes the only thing we focus on are amputees that lost a limb you know, in combat operations or in support of combat operations. What we don't often think about is the veteran who later in life, because of other diseases uh, or, or accidents, have, have lost a limb. And actually, one of our very first, exactly. yeah, one of our very first amputee divers uh, made, you know, made it through Afghanistan, two tours of Afghanistan, and wound up losing a limb later in life when they were when they were struck uh you know by a vehicle and in a in a motorcycle and a motorcycle uh car accident and they're a veteran uh they didn't lose in a combat but but we you know sometimes we forget about the things that do happen later in life yeah and so we deal like i said we deal a lot more with kind of the later in life after care because we're not coastal we're not near any big military base that gets the immediate returns from afghanistan and iraq we kind of get the you know they've been back or have had a leg before and now they're retired and we're fitting them with a new one or like you said it happened later in life due to other comorbidities well they still did serve our country and we still need to serve and give everything we can to help them too that is that is awesome. I know that some of the things I've seen, like out on our dive sites, and I don't, I don't think you've met any of the, uh, you know, we don't have a large amputee population, but we've had a couple of divers that have come out and they've, they spent some time with us and they moved on to other things or they'll be back at a later point. Where I've really seen it make a difference is on the dive site itself, not so much in the water, but you know, shuffling tanks down or the ability to move their gear down or just, just hang out as, as you've seen, like at Lucky Peak. We kind of take over that whole parking lot, and it's just that yeah. ability to move back and forth between vehicles and hang out and, you know, BS with everybody else. What are what are some of the things that you see uh, 
you know, you know, or or have a vision for with uh, with folks specifically in in diving. How how you know how is it what you do is helping helping out in the diving area? Yeah, in diving, most of the time, the device, like you said, is not necessarily for in the water while you're underwater with all of the gear. It's for getting in and out of the water, transferring gear from here to there so that they can be independent and don't have to rely on somebody else. Um, We do have ankles that are pretty ground compliant and can adjust to uneven ground, which you don't think about when it's your own foot. Your own foot moves in six different directions. So you can accommodate any shape that the ground is. Well, most prosthetic feet are a solid carbon piece or maybe a split piece. Um, that allows some of that compliance to the ground so that you can walk over on even ground. But if we know that you're going to be out walking around, we can give you one of the feet that's more suited for that. Um, same thing goes with the knees. Most of the knees are just pretty simple. They do good on level ground. But when given a heads up, we can get the devices and the components that allow you to do some of the activities that you want. Most prosthetics now, they don't preclude you from doing any activity. It just may take some getting used to and some creative thinking on your part, and we're more than happy to work with you on, hey, I need this specific thing. Well, come in and let us help you and figure out what, how to get you that thing to help you do whatever activity is that you want to do. So... Um, I know there are feet that you can lock out and um, with the toe down, not as far as you could point your toe down, but some so that you could put a flipper on it and go underwater with it. But a lot of it is metal and super heavy, so most people find it easier to get to the water, to get off, set it on the side, and then get in the water and dive without it. So are, are there considerations we should be thinking of as we take on more amputee divers, you know, this, you know, a few years ago, Dive 22, I'm sorry, Ride for 22 uh, gave us a grant to, to work with more uh, divers with disabilities. We had actually put out a call for uh, more amputee divers. Really didn't get mm-hmm. a, a whole lot of reaction to, to the amputee part of it, but we, but we did help a lot of other divers with, with various disabilities. So one of the things that, that we should, I mean, w- what are some considerations we should have for a diver who's, who's an amputee? Um, you know, what are some things that we should be doing differently or some things that we should be thinking about as we set up our dive mm-hmm. sites? Um, I think give them time. Generally, most of them, especially if they're diving, they can do it. It just might take them a little bit longer to get from point A to point B. Um, generally, we see, you know, it may take a little longer, may not look exactly right, but they can do it and that independence is something that I think is huge and not immediately jumping in and helping them. Um, The other big thing is the prosthetics and the pieces. They're on the expensive side. So even just having somebody that, hey, let me run your leg back up and lock it in a car or, hey, let me put it somewhere so it's not going to get stolen or harmed or anything like that while they are under the water would take a huge weight off of somebody's, you know, hey, we're leaving this super expensive device just out. There's nobody watching it and (laughs) trust everybody, whereas you can put it away and kind of keep that. And I think that would help a lot of people. 
Ah, you know, that's something I didn't even think about. I've got, so I've got a really good friend of mine who is a, you know, his amputation is actually from the hip all the way down. And I was, mm-hmm. I was with him when, uh, when the prosthetic had, had actually broken and, and we're struggling to get through the Phoenix airport together. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it was just that, it was that determination. And then once we got him to a place where, you know, he had, you know, he had a, a, a backup that was, that was next day delivered to him. But it was that strong, fierce independence. But I never even thought about the ability to say, "Hey, by the way, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take care of your your stuff here. You know, we're gonna take care of your gear." Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's a part of their body, and while it, you know, always ask beforehand. But if it's something, you know, like I said, they're not cheap devices by any means. The higher up the amputation is, the more expensive the device is. Um. So just giving them that peace of mind while they're underwater that they don't have to worry about that, that it'll be in the exact same shape as when they left it there would be a huge benefit. And like I said, letting them get to the water, get everything settled, and then maybe somebody can run it back up to a car and lock the door or whoever's staying out of the water can keep an eye on it and set it right next to them as it is part of them. Excellent. That is awesome. Hey, Riley, any, any other thoughts or anything you want to share? Uh, as, as we kind of wrap this up here? Um, just like I said, there, everything needs to be caught, come up with. It's not a huge group. So especially for prosthetics, work with whoever is making your device and tell them exactly what you want and what you need it for. Most of us are pretty creative and more than willing to figure it out. It might be some trial and error, but some of us just love that part of the field and getting to give you that trial and error. Hey, I need something that will do X. Well, we may not have it that we can buy, but most of us are willing to try and figure it out so that we can get you that X. That is so cool because I think when you and I talked at Burger King a few weeks ago, you've really taken, you know, you've got several different components that are coming together. Obviously, you know, the medical background and obviously the, you know, how physiology works and then, you have the diving aspect, and then you've got this uh, th- this humanitarian want to help people aspect. But I think the part we forget about is that the ability to mechanically design something. And I think that's just yeah. that's just a really interesting package that that you bring. You know that, that I know that you bring to Neptune. Uh, you know, and obviously that's <laughs> that's what you bring to you know to to your world of of uh, prosthetics. So, so where's your next dive trip? Oh, God, I'm not sure yet. Probably somewhere down in Tampa. Outstanding. Outstanding. Hey, Riley, thanks so much for hooking up with us on uh, on the interview. I've been wanting to get you on here since, really, I wanted to talk to you about this since we met out at the lake last year. But then as soon as I launched the podcast, you were, you were one of the first people. I'm like, oh, man, I hope she dies with us again because I'm going to. I need to ping her and, and get her on here. So, hey, uh, thank you for yes. everything that well, you're doing. I appreciate for, it. Yeah, thank you for everything that you're doing for, you know, for vet, veterans and not veterans alike. So, really appreciate it. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. been a pleasure. All right. There is absolutely no way. Turn some music down there. Hey, there is absolutely no way that Neptune would be what it is today without people like Riley and our other civilians that support our veterans. 
and it's you know giving of their time giving of their knowledge giving of their hearts you know we have people who donate dive gear we have people who donate finances to make sure that we are you know that we're covered with you know pool times and you know purchasing jackets and all that kind of stuff there's no way absolutely no way we could not do that with what i call our our kick-ass civilians they are so much a part of this community and riley is just another great example of that We've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next few weeks and few months. We do. We are going to be out at Ride for 22 again this year. We're going to be talking a lot. Our focus this year is to find those veterans who have got their GI uh, Bill benefits. You know, we are a vet, a, a VA testing center, and as far as I know, well, I know we're the only one in Treasure Valley, but I also think that we're the only one that's in Idaho. So I'm really hoping that we're able to get our veterans in, utilize their benefits, get out there and do some scuba diving. That's going to be a big focus. Breathe is going to be a huge focus this next year. We're putting in or standing up a new pool here at our, what we call our facility. And that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a big part, you know, making sure that people are getting that relaxation training, that grounding training and things like that. So thank you again for joining the podcast and just keep pressing on. And remember that as long as you've got air, you are all right.